Hi guys, Dre Harrison here. Welcome to episode 316 of Motorsport 101. Um, normally we'd be a bit more jokey about our intro and whatnot, but uh, sadly we'll, we uh, wanted to quick, uh, take a quick moment at the top of the show to pay tribute to a councillor, Robert Foote, who sadly passed away at a race meeting at Brands Hatch. He was a marshal at the track and was in an awful incident um, during that race weekend over there. And I think it goes without saying that uh, marshals are the lifeblood of motorsport. They're the reason we are able to go racing. They're the reason we can record this show and talk about motorsport and watch it. And um, no one should ever have to make the ultimate sacrifice to enable us to do what we do here. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you, marshals. And of course, from our very one here at M101, our thoughts, prayers, and condolences with Robert's family colleagues and loved ones um let's uh it's unfortunately just the horrible nature of motorsport but at least on a slightly positive note that uh we the motorsport we did get to see this weekend especially in formula one this weekend i think everybody will say pretty unanimously that uh that was a that was a very fun hungarian grand prix and uh, <laughs> RJ at the bottom gets his gear ready to go. Um, nice to see that uh, he is uh, completely unbiased in his, in his opinion down at the bottom right there. Um, <laughs> but, RJ, how you doing down there, buddy? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, Out of ten. That, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, yeah. it's a rare race. It's a rare race that pulls that rating out of me, if you follow me on Twitter. Um, I don't give those out very often, but uh, that, that was for good reason. This, this, was, this was a special one. And if, it, if, it, if it's led to RJ breaking out his old Alonso cap, then you can probably guess that why it was pretty special. Um, it's, it's not just the old Alonso cap. It's, it's the Williams racing gear that, that I got on. <laughs> I could not express ship Alpine gear over to my house because nobody thinks you're going to need Alpine Formula One gear to celebrate an Alpine Formula One victory in the year 2021. No. But it happened! That's why Ocon won this damn race! (laughs) Just as a side note, King did in fact lose the blueberry pie bet and him being pied live on the show is pending for future approval. <laughs> Coming soon, dot, dot, dot. Maybe something for you Patreon backers exclusively. Who knows? Although, the footage would be far too great not to put on the internet, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, Coming soon, dot, dot, dot. Question mark. Maybe. But, uh, King, remind the viewers at home what you said regarding Alpine in this season. <laughs> well. Well, it was... In relation to the bet I won last season where Renault wouldn't want to race so I wouldn't have to down, like, uh, a dozen bananas in one sitting. And I decided, hey, it's not going to happen again this year. Watch a man die of <laughs> potassium poisoning live on the internet. <laughs> time, time to double down. And since they're no longer the yellow Renaults, but the blue Alpines, I'm like, what if it were blueberry pies? <laughs> It would never happen. Isn't that right, King? 
Yeah. <laughs> would, 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 would it help if I rubbed it in your face a little bit more if I said to you that Esteban Ocon was 250 to 1 to win that Grand Prix? At, oh my uh, goodness. At uh, 2 p.m. On, on Sunday afternoon. Um, did anyone take I, that bet? <laughs> no, apparently. I did actually. I have some friends in the bookies I work for that are able to tell me these little sorts of things, but uh, no one touched it. Can't imagine why. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he could have gotten 250 to 1 odds on Esteban Ocon winning that Grand Prix. Um, so if anyone else there outside of uh, the bookies I happen to work for, you know, the green Irish ones, if you need a hint, um, well done you, and also better have your lottery numbers for next week. Um, just asking for a friend, um, personally. But uh, speaking of which... We also got Cam Buckley here, including his new best friend is the imaginary one in the background where his head is. Um, yeah, right, now you see right, it, you right, can't right unsee here. it. Yeah. Right, right up here, uh, thanks to uh, thanks to how I'm having to light my room with um, <laughs> my coughing, wheezing, dying iPhone Seven Look, and its I, flashlight. I got, I got the whole. I got the entire down. Pack. RJ is. Uh, <laughs> it, it is dripper drown and bitch. RJ is raining. <laughs> RJ's gone gone for the full, as we Brits would say, full kit wanker. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Look, um, that certainly was a 2021 Hungarian Grand Prix. Um, Had to say, I wasn't expecting much, but uh, Valtteri Baltas showed tremendous skills as a pinball wizard. Yeah. In fact, Didn't in tribute he... to the song, he drove into turn one using his sense of smell. <laughs> As opposed to any of the other senses you could maybe use to drive a racing car, no? <laughs> no? Maybe? We'll get into that very briefly. But uh, little did we know the carnage that, that would cause and the, uh, shall we say, the butterfly effect of two cars going very, very deep into braking at turn one and all the sequence of events that would follow that would lead to the 111th Grand Prix winner that we know in, for- in what we call Formula One today coming through. Um, because, uh, boy, we've got a lot to get through on an all-time classic Hungarian Grand Prix, which in and of itself sounds like an oxymoron, but Hungary just has this knack of producing excellent races when it no really, between. really shouldn't. It, it's either it's it's either complete boredom or yeah. mayhem. Yeah, there's no in between. There, there is there there is there is no middle ground on anything like on like that with Hungary, and yet we got the uh, completely batshit insane end of the scale on this one, and we'll break it all down over the next hour or so. We'll also check in with our friends at Red Bull's PR department and talk about the. Uh, Quite awful week they had to go through trying to get a bigger penalty for Lewis Hamilton. Spoiler alert, it wasn't successful. Um, But in the meantime, we'll break down um, all of that in the next five minutes or so. But first of all, as you can find us, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Subscribe if you haven't already. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. Check us out on there. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. If you want to follow our personal handles, you can. If you're watching on YouTube, they're on the screen right down below us. If you're not, they're at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, and at CBuckley917. 
And if you like, if you like us even more, you can follow us on Instagram as well at Motorsport One Hundred One Pod. You can check that out if you haven't already. Um, for little sneak peeks, uh, news when episodes go live, and some other fun stuff too. Um, and if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to all of our audio episodes. You can upgrade to ten bucks for the video versions and the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. So, without further ado, let's get into the 2021 Hungarian Grand Prix. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Oh, there's going to be. You can tell RJ isn't happy about this at all. No, no, we'll, we'll give it away. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, really. Esteban Ocon won the 2021 Hungarian Grand Prix. I'm so excited, y'all! <laughs> <laughs> all it took was a ridiculous start, a red flag, a drying Hungaro ring leaving Lewis Hamilton out stranded on intermediate tires to create one of the freakiest Grand Prix of recent times. Valtteri Bottas donned his pinball wizard shirt, as did Lance Stroll, and took out five of the top six runners in the championship with either severe damage they would have to carry into the race or taken out altogether. Those being Verstappen, Bottas himself, Norris, Leclerc, and Perez, who uh, had his power unit can opened on the right side. With a wet hungar ring drying out rapidly during the subsequent red flag, everyone but Hamilton changed their inters for slicks, while the former fell back due to having to pit after the race restart. Well, who does that leave at the front? Well, the two unlikely protagonists of Esteban Ocon and Aston Martin's Sebastian Vettel. Vettel threw the house at the Alpine, including an undercut attempt which was botched by his team, giving him a slow pit stop. But Alcon held on from Vettel, both of them hanging on from a rampant Hamilton, who was at times 3.7 seconds a lap quicker, <laughs> on fresh medium tires, to become F1's 111th different race winner. Sadly, for the Vettel supporters on the show... It was not to last. Hamilton was bumped up to second after the flag due to Vettel's car falling foul of the minimum liter of fuel required for a post-race sample. Bollocks. It's also bumped... <laughs> oh, it hurts. Thought I had another one in the bag. It also bumped Carlos Sainz up to his second podium of the year in third place. Uh, I'm going to start with RJ on this one because he is just raring to go. Uh, <laughs> what was your most, what was your favorite part of story of this epic race? RJ, the floor is yours. You know, I'll tell you. We don't have a lot of working class Formula One drivers. We we haven't. We probably never will again. The closest we're going to get are people like Lewis Hamilton and Esteban Ocon, who, mm. by comparison to most Formula One drivers, did not grow up in the kind of wealth that, say, you know, a Lance Stroll would have grown up in. He's not a, right. gen- a second generation, third generation Formula One talent. Uh, he had to work his ass off just to get scouted by junior teams in the ladder. Remember in 2014 when he was European Formula Three champion? When he was a member of the Lotus Junior Academy. When Lotus were not well off. No. 
No. And that was the and, season uh, where Max Verstappen made his single-seater debut, but at the end of the day, Esteban Ocon was champion. So Lotus's program folds. No problem. Gets picked up by Mercedes. Wins the GP3 Series title off of consistency alone. After a half year in DTM in 2016, he's up to Formula One in Manor. And then by 2017, he is up to the team that is now known as Aston Martin. 27 consecutive finishes to start a Formula One career. In the points, but all but two races in his debut year. 2018, he was, he pretty much outperformed Sergio Perez in every statistic other than the points. Then he has to take a year off. Mercedes don't really know what to do with him until they send him off to Renault. And then there's this whole theory that phase that like Esteban's will be there because, you know, it's a French driver and a French team. That looks good for the shareholders, but that's really the only reason why he's there. And all throughout 2020, that seemed to be the prevailing theory. After a year of race rust, he, just couldn't measure up to Daniel Ricardo for most of the year. Until Secure. Until Secure came around, and he finished second in that race. And you start to think, this is the day that things start to turn around. 2021 comes in. He has that year of experience under his belt. He looks great to start the season off. Gets that long-term deal. Then he has a dip in his form. And then he changes his chassis. And he's off to a good start this weekend, but I don't think he ever would have imagined no. that he would have been Not the one a million years. after everybody else gets wiped out in front of him that he's going to be able to drive on, take the lead of the race. And we know it's tough to pass at the Hungar ring. So if you have conditions that can produce a shock winner, it's going to be very hard to knock them off the top. And trust me, Sebastian Vettel tried his ass off for 70 laps. Esteban Ocon withstood the pressure of a four-time Formula 1 champion up front. He didn't, he didn't buckle. Launch. And fair play to Fernando Alonso. You know, I thought that this, uh, this whole comeback tour, just for the money, just for one last run at it, I did not think we were going to see uh, one of the all-time great defensive stands from Fernando Alonso to keep Wiley old fox at bay. <laughs> Holding off I'm a car that was over three seven. and a half seconds. It shows how hard it is to pass here that Alonso could hold off a car three and a half seconds a lap quicker at that stage of the race. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I figure I figure once wow. I figure once Alonso had kept him back for that long, I'm thinking, yeah. Esteban's got this. Unless he makes a mistake up front, he has this win in the back. I'm so happy for this kid. I think, I still, I've always been a big believer in Esteban Ocon's talent since I first started getting into junior Formula racing and since I first watched him race in Formula One. And it feels good that that belief in his talent is finally going to pay off in a victory. And I know, I know that circumstances had to play out for that to happen, but that could really, really change the trajectory of his career. That could lead to some big things down the road. And think of what this means for Alpine. Yes, it took until year six of the five-year plan for everything to finally come good when, it, when you should have been winning races in about year two or three with mm. all the blasts the cars that he came in. Mid-pack at best. Right, but... There are a lot of people at Endstone who about before Renault came in and bought up, bought into the team again, 
they were probably wondering on a race-to-race basis, you know, are we going to see out a season when Lotus is as troubled financially as they were in like the last couple of years of their existence? Look, That's I'll, their first I'll, I'll win since in. 2013. That's I'll, a good moment. What a good moment for us. Where... Come in, Cam. Tag in. <laughs> well, I was going to touch on that last point. Um, not a big fan of this team under previous management. Um, the thoughts are well known if you're a longtime listener of the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get fucked, Cyril. <laughs> but long ago, I supported this team when they wore the black and gold. They were my boys. I watched them climb from the midfield to fight for wins, to claim those wins, to be the only thing in this world that could seem to fluster Sebastian Vettel in the second half of 2013. Mm. And then I watched 2014 happen. And I realized I was watching my team in the sport in its death throes. It just makes 2015 at Belgium all the more, that, that more special That's, in hindsight. You know, it was the last gasp of what was once a championship team. And it's been a rough few years for Enstone. Oh, yeah. Going, going away, effectively dying as a team, being bought up by Renault for pennies at the, at the end of 2015, and having a long, hard road back. A lot of those people in Enstone have been working there, not only through the Renault era, back through Lotus, back to the last Renault era. Back to the Benetton and the Tolman days. I I can't imagine what was going through their heads as they watched Esteban take the flag. This has been a long time coming, and a lot of very hardworking people are a part of that success. And I think... And to that effect, Esteban Ocon, who... After a certain incident, cost Max Verstappen the 2018 Brazilian Grand Prix win, hmm. and I stand to this day that that was still Max's fault. A lot of people soured on Esteban, hmm. tossed him aside. He didn't deserve to be in the sport. How quickly they forgot. He gave Sergio Perez fits in that Force India. Again, I made the point. The only thing he didn't outperform him on was on the was on the total point sheet in 2018. It was much. He was phenomenal there. He was phenomenal. He was phenomenal in the manner when he was pushing super hyped prospect Pascal Verline every weekend from weekend one. Mm -hmm. It's always been there, and I've always thought: give him the time, give him the tools. He will show you why he was that hyped to begin with. There we go. And he did. He was under pressure from a four-time world champion. In a car that's a damn sight faster in a straight line, whatever that's worth around this track, and he did not buckle. Freaking love it. Freaking, freaking love it. I've never been so happy to have my man come so close to a win and not get it. Uh, Because, yeah. Yeah, that would have hurt a lot more if it was disqualified from a win. (laughs) 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 Oh, fucking... Aston. Oh, yeah. I mean, why? It, it's 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 kind of funny, and, and not to get too self indulgent as a Sebastian Vettel fan of the podcast here, but given that he used to boo the shit out of this man not that long ago, and now you know, unfortunately, we saw the return of said booing 
for Lewis Hamilton this weekend in Hungary. Um, which you know, and I will say off the record, it wasn't it wasn't appropriate then, and it's not appropriate now. Yeah. Um, let me make that point absolutely clear right now. Like this was meant to be the feel good second place. Uh, the other feel good second place. Because I'm not I, I, as a Vettel fan, I'm spoiled. We already had one of those in Baku, um, and we were this close to getting another one. And, and let's be real here: this was an important weekend, and Sebastian Vettel did a phenomenal job standing up for the LGBT plus community in Hungary and beyond. Um, given if, if you've been reading the news in in recent months, Hungary's abhorrent um, homophobic and transphobic law changes um, in their country. Um, you may, you've probably seen it during the European Championships as well, given Hungary had a massive role to play in that tournament as well. Um, Vettel did a stand-up job standing up for that community over this weekend. So it, it was even... It, it probably stung even more of the casual audience this weekend that his second place was taken away due to... Uh, a a a mix up on the amount of usable fuel left in the car. Now, as a stand note, at time of recording, like Aston Martin are in the process of lodging an appeal, we may see that overturned. Probably won't. But uh, you know, yeah, it's going to take something. Uh, mm. Apparently, the pump to take the fuel out of the car is broken, so it is currently oh. impounded by the FIA, mm-hmm. and they're going to try and get what they can out of it. Maybe Probably not going to change. Seven, maybe that extra seven tenths of a liter of fuel is there, but mm-hmm. another point in this race. So Sebastian it, it, Vettel, late career, wholesome, the most wholesome individual TM outside of George Russell on the grid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Though it it does feel strange that the fuel pump on the car conveniently had a malfunction after crossing. Apparently it's not the fuel pump to feed the engines. Apparently it's a pump that actually extracts it for the FIA. Oh. Yeah, so we'll have to see see what happens with that. But, uh, yeah, Sebastian Vettel, um, irrespective of the final result, I am incredibly proud to support that man because he has his head screwed on straight. Yeah, like he's got his head screwed on straight. You know, to he's to to Hungary, age. to Hungary, I, I I will go back to I'll paraphrase what set what Vettel said earlier this year during um, a call with a fan. Your kind is going extinct. That's right. I yeah. I don't like the kind of bullshit that. Prime Minister Viktor Orban and his Fidesz party have been spreading throughout Hungary. I like that Sebastian Vettel put the community, the LGBT community of Hungary, front and center and tried to uplift them instead of lumping them all in with the other goons in Hungary just for a cheap dunk. Sebastian yeah. Vettel is a good man. He was dripped out in head toe, rainbow helmet, rainbow shoes, got the rainbow mask, rainbow shirt which may or may not have gotten him a reprimand. It kind of didn't, but, you know, it's not a good look when you're getting reprimanded for... for and you just so happen to be wearing a rainbow shirt. Yeah, a, a side note for that. Um, thankfully, it wasn't just a reprimand for that shirt. It was a reprimand on procedure, and he was not the only one. Yeah, Still yeah, not a good look. Still, no, yeah, as another note, a, a fan invited Sebastian to uh, see his marriage proposal to his girlfriend, and Seb went over the weekend. <laughs> Showed up on a scooter. 
But I, I want Sebastian to show up to my wedding. But, like, unfortunately, <laughs> I am horrendously down bad, so that will probably never happen. Um, <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> you said it, not me. Um, We're yeah. being honest. But, uh, yeah, it's... It, it was it was wonderful. Can I also talk a little bit about Alonso v Hamilton? How fucking awesome was that? Like, oh, inch perfect. Oh, oh, god, that was. You, you, you ever have one of those races where you think this is what the hybrid era kind of should have been all this time, and you just see like one guy in a faster car trying to attack another guy in a slower car but there's just enough balance there where Fernando can put his car in the right spot and make Hamilton have to really 3.7 seconds pace differential and Alonso held that line for as long as he could yeah <laughs> shades of Imola 2005 um where he had to hold off a desperate Michael Schumacher on that day and it was just perfect car placement. It was only a lockup in the end from Alonso towards the end of the race that allowed Hamilton to open the door and come through. But I, I, I think I can easily say o- Ocon does not win that race without Alonso's key contribution in the latter stages. Amazing of that to race. think, Fernando Alonso, the guy we all paint as the serial sly conniving politician that's only in it for himself. <laughs> in his, his selflessness uh, buys his teammate more time to win a race. What, what I loved as well at the at the end of the race, uh, Esteban Ocon missed Park for May mm-hmm. and uh, kept going, and yep. then had to run run back <laughs> to uh, the pit lane. And Fernando was there waiting for him to congratulate him, as was his whole team because uh, that team was down bad for any. Good result, and they got the best result they've seen since Australia 2013. First and fourth on the day. First and fourth on the day. Unbelievable. 37 priceless points in that midfield A huge for the constructors' battle. Massive haul. Massive, massive haul for the Alpine team. King, you got anything else from that from that race that's... Uh, that, that, no, nah, everything's covered. I don't know. I think th- I think there's one thing. I think uh, I think RJ's uh, I think RJ's swimming in it right now. Look, there's going to be a lot of stuff that we get into this race that we that we don't even touch on, like like Mick Schumacher having a few good laps where it looks like he may be <laughs> able to put his Haas ahead of a bunch of other cars. We're not even going to talk about Nikita Mazepin and Kimi Raikkonen's clumsy pit lane collision. Mm. We're not going to, oh we're probably God. not going to talk about Pierre Gasly getting the fastest lap. We're not mm. going to talk too much about Carlos Sainz Jr. going from 15th to the podium in the final classification and then getting scolded by Butston on the post-race show. <laughs> the, the, the All-time great reaction image. Oh, All-time. Oh, man, we'd be like, let's, let's There's eat, three eat, things. <laughs> There's three big things that I want to talk about. Mm. Just to rapid-fire him. Max Verstappen scored two points with half a car. And when I say half a car, that is with no exaggeration. The whole bargeboard cluster on the right side of the car was destroyed in the turn one incident. Oh, a big old bite out of it like a fucking double cheeseburger five guys. Yep. And uh, given that he placed a car, Red Bull were a little bit off their usual pace. And then we learned that uh, in qualifying, he had a cracked engine mount. So uh, put a car P3 with a cracked uh, structure. <laughs> 
Championship's Lexus still on, despite, uh, despite the total fuckery. On the other side of the championship battle, Lewis Hamilton left out to rot on intermediate tires by his team, by his own decision, had to cut through the field. Hell of a recovery Stephen drive to Brottle. third. Hello, um, Jack Miller in Argentina 2018. Oh, fun times. Phenomenal image of uh, Lewis alone on the grid. Had he pitted, there would have been no cars on the starting grid for the race. For the restart. <laughs> Did anybody ever get, like, MotoGP 2014 Saxon ring vibes off yeah. of that, where everyone's in yeah. the pit lane? And it's then, Stephen like, Brottle! It's Stephen Brottle at the Saxon ring! It's Jack yeah. Miller in Argentina! Oh, it's beautiful. That's and as awesome. the final point, I will address RJ's shirt. Williams Racing... Back in the points. Not with one car. Oh, no. Not but both with of them. both cars. And Ten only points. George Russell would be out here scoring points. Only to be outscored by Nicholas <laughs> Latifi on the day. Let's, let's go over this for a second. So, the race restarts. And everybody comes out of the pits. George Russell comes out leading all the guys that started from the pit lane. Nicholas Latifi's third in that queue. Russell admittedly jumped a few guys in the queue, and he gave up some positions. We thought something was going wrong with his car. We're thinking, Jesus, it's happening again. No, he's just giving back the positions as instructed by his team. Yeah, he, he, he jumped the queue before he had permission from his team, and he did not have permission. So it looked good for a sector. Nicholas Latifi, I'll tell you, he may still be the Mendoza line of Formula One, but that Mendoza line has moved up this season. He was damn near close to getting out of Q2 again. Um, he, fair play to him. He held his nerve in his position, and George, God, I know this is the understatement of the year, but this has been such a long time coming for him. <laughs> to finally be able to score points in the Williams, because we know he's had the qualifying pace. God, at Styria, he was within arm's reach of points until the final few laps. And he doesn't make Q1 this... He doesn't get out of Q1 this time, you're thinking. First time all season. First time all season, he didn't get out of Q1. Amazingly. Yeah, um, Williams. I know this team is Looking their worst this year. I... And they've scored points. Ten. That ten... Whole points. Just to put that into perspective, just to put that into perspective, that's more points than they've scored in the last three seasons combined. Yes, that does show you how far Williams had fallen within the last four or five years. But I think today shows that things are genuinely starting to look up again. Maybe this is a all it took was kicking. All it took was kicking the family out. Look, uh, Nicholas Latifi. <laughs> Nicholas Latifi ran third, legitimately ran third ahead of much faster cars for, for that whole race. first stint. Yeah. yeah. It, ironically, he he's just as integral to the Esteban Ocon Vettel fight because he dragged the whole field back while those two ran off into the distance. He backed the wagon. Um, and terrifyingly. Well, as a uh, honorable mention, someone who I think could have potentially won this race had he not been stuck behind the Williams, Yuki Tsunoda looked good this weekend. Yeah, mm. I know. Best weekend know for him fun. in a hot minute. 
Yeah, and I know people are going to talk about the fact that, you know, he, he didn't want to let Gasly by, then he spun late in the race, but even still just getting a seventh-place result or a sixth-place result, whatever it is in the final classifications, is it, is it six? Six, six, is it, six, six expands six. right now. P5, P6, which is huge for that team. Middle, yeah. middle of the table points with both cars is big for AlphaTauri as that's, well. That's big, good. Big, that's big huge for Yuki to have that momentum with that result because yeah. Lord knows he needed that. He yeah. needed that after some of the shit that his his boss was saying about him. Yeah, to say uh, culturally insensitive would to be would be an understatement. Um, ooh, I'd, ooh, like, ooh, ooh, I'd ooh. like to say on behalf of everybody else here, Yuki is far better than your typical Japanese. Um, and that's no slight on Ayumu Iwasa, who took his first Formula Three win this weekend. But hey. Like, mm. Look, uh, I'm happy that Williams is back. I'm happy that we we'll, that we don't have to talk about the George, George Russell cried. curse. George, George cried. cried. He <laughs> cried his eyes out, and then we were thinking he was gonna get DQ'd like Vettel was. Or this- <laughs> no, no, not this again. Yeah, both Williams, both Williams also stopped. Then it parked at the ra- end of the race. Now there's this rule with the FIA where they have to take the leader sample from the car. But if you stop out on track, first of all, that's waving a red flag at the FIA to come check your fuel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they factor in how much of the lap you may have missed by not bringing it back. Thankfully, yeah, both cars had enough fuel, but I know for a fact the FIA, you know, pulled those cars aside to make sure, okay, you're good. I know people would have loved to see those positions reversed between Nicholas and George, but George even said himself, look, if it means sacrificing my race, make sure Nicholas is still up in the points. He's a good boy. I mean, it's a good That teammate. is enormous for their constructor battle as well, because that is that is a death knell for Alfa Romeo and the constructors. Yeah, right. Williams may have say, just they put eighth on lock. I was going to say, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't just overtake Haas, they overtook Alfa Romeo with that 10-point haul, as it stands. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see if, the, if that holds up. But uh, for now, it puts them 8th in the construct, which is a huge result for them. Should we talk about the incident that first started all this carnage? Um, welcome to this week's episode of Steward Watch. And uh, uh, let, let me just say, gentlemen... You know it's not a good sign when Lucas Degrassi takes to Twitter and says, you know, mm. I think Valtteri Bottas missed his breaking point. Because that is a man who would know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a throwback. Uh, um, um, <laughs> Valtteri, got, Valtteri got an awful start. Got jumped by both Red Bulls and Norris on a slightly damp track. And just said, fuck them kids, into that braking zone. Yeah, drove straight into the rear of Lando Norris, destroyed his car after, during the red flag, they couldn't fix the damage in time. Norris's car was then a battering ram, essentially, for Verstappen and Perez. Um, Stroll had his own separate incident where he... Yeah, Stroll had his own incident where he (laughs) cloned what Bottas did and proceeded to mount, this is NSFW content, mount (laughs) Charles Leclerc's Ferrari. You know, yeah, maybe oh, that's yeah. why Jack Villeneuve has done a complete 180 on Lance Stroll and now thinks he's <laughs> going to get the Mercedes seat. Yeah, and, and I, I, anytime anyone hits the apex from the other side of the track, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. This was no. 
Look, I, I, I am typically I am typically a defender of Lance Stroll in most discussions. That was oh, cartoonish. That oh, was best. really bad from Lance Stroll. That and was he didn't ingratiate himself with with the way that he seemed very sheepish in his response. I know, like you can't really judge like sh- like shit and like remorse and shit like that from just like. But it seemed like you know when Valtteri Bottas went and apologized to everybody because boy did he owe a lot of people with apologies. No, you yeah. know, he seemed a lot more forthcoming and apologetic about it in public than he Lance did. In all fairness, in all fairness, yeah. Bottas completely owned it. He kind of had no choice in the matter given how blatant I mean, he was. Mm. For, for the most, for the most part, Lance was pretty much in Botas's shadow for like how yeah. many cars he took out. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, oh, you only took out like one and triggered another one to go out because it also caught uh, it caught Ricardo's car. Caught Ricardo on the side. Um, yeah. Which uh, man, the video clip of Ricardo slamming his head on his halo. Kind of says it all about how his season is going. Uh, hopefully yeah, things turn around soon for him. Lance, um, Lance got a five-place grade penalty for Spa. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's enough. Baltas got a five-place grade penalty for Spa. I don't think it's enough. Gulak, both of them. I was, was going to say, like, that was what I was going to ask. Do you guys think five places on the grid for Spa is a fair punishment? Because that was a nasty, nasty pair of incidents. They were... They were so... So, I, I believe uh, JB in our in our Discord server put it best. Up, if, if it if it wasn't um, not Jensen Button, we wish <laughs> we wish no. the homie no, who also had something to say after the race uh, mm. to the effect of well, look at all those mercs taking out their competitors. <laughs> um, JB in our server said if it wasn't wet, that would have looked suspicious from Botas. That's how bad yeah. it yeah. was. I was going to say, the wetness of the track was probably the only mitigating factor you would use to maybe lessen the punishment there. And I think that's probably the reason they both only got five places. Because yes. if it were me, I'd be thinking ten, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think ten would have ten been fairer me. in this context. Like, like something that was actually going to... Like, Lance Stroll will effectively start Spa from the back if he gets ten places. Bottas, that's going to be out of main contention um, for the win if it's if it's ten places. So I was thinking ten, but I can understand why the stewards went five, given it was a wet track. Uh, but yeah, you know it's it was awful. It was br- it, like, there were a pair of incidents by, not befitting Formula minutes. One drivers. Yeah, it, yeah. It, Bottas missed his breaking spot by fifteen meters, easy. Like <laughs> like like, come on. <laughs> and this is coming from a guy I want to defend Valtteri because I don't think he's having quite as bad a time of it as some people are making out but dude oh. he, he, he's taking your reasons to defend him away he's Maybe making it very no hard for tell you what though one, one of two things happened in Mercedes he either signed his resignation or he's getting a huge raise for next year <laughs> <laughs> It's, I, I joked about this on Twitter. It was like, have you ever seen the Top Gear Winter Olympics where Hammond in voiceover, like, during the ice hockey game where he goes, 
I accidentally, but very accurately, took out James. Uh, but that's kind of what that incident felt like. Because it was like, inadvertently, Bottas had taken both Red Bulls out of contention for the win, and basically got Hamilton a fat dub in the championship battle, because he's plus 13 as it's, or plus 16 as it stands right now, on the, on the charts of the championships. So, well done, Valtteri, I guess. Question mark? Uh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. When I said when I said that Silverstone was Mercedes' last stand, I didn't I didn't say that <laughs> thinking that oh Mercedes is gonna blow a Red Bull off two races in a row, two races in a row. <laughs> like, oh. like it's like okay, now oh, Christian now Christian Horner might have a might have a genuine reason to be mad as hell uh, because uh, like apparently Toto walked over to Christian to apologize and apparently according to the grand old report of checking my notes here Nico Rosberg professional shit stirrer um, <laughs> damn good color commentator fantastic yeah. on commentary this weekend great on the mic but uh, professional shit stirrer was like Horner was having apparently none of it and to be fair I can't really blame him on that one um, but more on him briefly in a minute but it also led to a different sort of conversation gentlemen um, I'm going to go to the go thing on first on this one this is interesting like because a lot of teams brought up like the, the cost cap for the teams this season. Obviously, the millions and millions of, of uh, euros of crash damage that has obviously taken place over the course of the last two weekends, uh, especially for your Red Bull. Um, that insurance that insurance call is not going to be a fun one. Um, but they're saying, should teams be charged out of their cost cap if they've been deemed at fault for an incident? Because uh, a lot of people have mentioned the cost cap, a lot of people have mentioned these big old repair bills, and I have an opinion on this, but I want to know what you're thinking, because I know you're a bit more in-depth of the rules than I am. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, oh, well, kind of stepping back for a moment, like, mm. most of us in this in this call are familiar with uh, the National Basketball Association right. and, how, and how cap space works in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Congratulations on getting Kemba Walker, by the way. Happy for the king. <laughs> I- I'm glad Kemba. Enjoy those out. knees. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, in-, in terms of there is an allowance in the financial regulations specifically for crash damage. I forget what the set amount is, but I think mm. it's like at least a million dollars. And when you talk about the cap space the teams have in terms of the cost cap and potentially losing that to not only your own crash damage, but whoever else is involved. And if you get into that set of thinking, who's, who are the people who are going to decide who's at fault in these incidents? And you go into a wide gray area. And then you also think about, who determines what is fair market value for the items damaged in an incident. When it's your own accident, you know what the cost is because you have to pay for it. When it's someone else's accident, the other teams have no reason to do things as cost-effectively as possible. They're going to do whatever they can to make sure that you feel the financial pressure. 
So should I start applying to become the official FIA insurance adjuster for the Formula One World Championship? <laughs> That's just that it's, it's functionally what they're talking about is car insurance and who's at fault in a crash. Mm. Uh, Mattia Bonotto, who um, has to deal with a written-off Ferrari power unit as a result of that uh, stroll collision and mounting. Expensive. And uh, ditto with Perez's power, power unit as well. Mm. Um, that's that's going to be the difficult thing is kind of judging who's at fault, who's supposed to pay what amount, and who's going to decide that. Because if it's, you know, the teams will just argue all all damn day no. over what mm. their car is worth and what other people's cars are worth. If you have the FIA doing it, then you're going to get people screaming from the rooftops about bias and the usual. But, but the thing is that there's mm-hmm. already a financial, uh, like there's already uh, a jury that determines if a team has people will gone. still claim bias. It, but, might, but, it might not be, but that jury still exists right now and currently are officiating the F1 financial regulations. They just don't do anything involving the crash damage because it's not on them. The teams have a set allowance. It's an interesting. It's an interesting new element to this cost cap era and something that we. frankly haven't had to deal with in unlimited budget motorsport before yeah we don't have many other budget capped sports out there not really no hard caps really yeah not like especially especially in Europe where most of the championship is based like we we, we have a little bit of that in certain leagues in soccer but if anyone will tell you about football and financial fair play we all know it's a can of worms that's probably not worth getting into on this podcast because it is a mess yeah there's a big difference between there's a big difference between a luxury cap soft cap and then uh, if you go over this you are out of our championship, goodbye. And that's yeah. kind of how Formula One is structured going forward into this cost cap era. Yeah, because that's, uh, that's one of the aspects of it that took a lot of the teams back. When they were like, oh, what, like when they kind of publicly stated, oh, what's the penalty going to be for going over the cost cap? And Ross Braun responded saying, yeah, it's disqualification from the championship. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. And, and frankly, that's how it needs to be officiated because uh, sure. teams like Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari – will spend into a theoretical luxury tax all day if it means winning. Yeah. We'll or in Ferrari's case, being happy to finish third. <laughs> Yay! But uh, that's the whole point. I mean, for me... Carlos Sainz I, having a damn good season. Yeah, for, like, for, yeah for there for is me, exactly yeah. one good second driver in the Formula 1 paddock this year. Beautiful. <laughs> exactly one! It's, it's like, it's yeah, different. I was going to say, I think this firmly comes under the bracket of it's motorsport, shit happens, get over it. Um, and, uh, but um, it, I, I, I can understand why team principals might make that point, because they've got to look after more pennies than, they, than they've used to in motorsport up until now. Um, especially given that, you know, certain teams will feel a little bit hard done by, given what's happened to them. Then, especially if you're Red Bull, again, because... Uh, Last two weekends have been they've pretty had, expensive, I reckon. Though, yeah, personally... They've, they've effectively yeah, had okay. two and a half cars written off. Though, yeah, personally, I think the rules, like, the financial regulations are fine as they stand. Like, the teams have a generous crash allowance before it actually starts eating into the actual cap space. So, I think it's 
it's a it's a lot smaller than Ferrari's making it out to be. Yeah, I think that's an important thing that I think is lost in translation here. And obviously it's, you know, the team bosses politicking because they're politicians and that's what they do. Um, No one so far, even having written off multiple cars as Red Bull has in the last two weekends, um, they're not out of their crash allowance yet. And it's going to take a couple more completely written off Formula One cars to do so. Yeah. But Um, let's say in this grand hypothetical that Mercedes had to cover everyone's bill after what Botas did. Uh, that would mean their allowance is immediately gone, while every other every other team had to pay zero dollars, and yeah, now they're be, eating into the You wouldn't the be able space. to run it like... Yeah, you wouldn't be, because that's not fair to Mercedes. You'd need to fundamentally re-rewrite the cost cap to have such a rule in place. Yeah. Mm. And uh, I, I think Bad. it's a lot of... I, I think it's a lot of talk, and purely talk, for what is fundamentally just dipping into a crash allowance you've come nowhere close to exceeding so far. One more point I wanted to go into from the live chat, because JB made an interesting point in, in, on YouTube. He said, quote, for me, the grid penalties from engine changes as a result of crash damage is a bigger issue than the cost cap. No. And that I can agree with. Um, for, yeah. for Verstappen, his impact at Silverstone, they, they reused that engine, and for first practice session, car was fine. Second practice session, Max was complaining that the car felt broken and he was suffering from terminal understeer. They threw some setup changes at it. It never really got any better. After qualifying, Red Bull had found that one of the engine mounts had cracked and was worsening across the weekend. Mm. And that it's is, a hell you know, of an effort to try and get that thing to work to begin with. They are act, they are trying to repair it externally by welding that engine mount effectively back together. Like, but go on, go on, King. Yeah, like, the, the the fact that, you know, now that the financial regulations are a thing, maybe the FIA can think about phasing out grid penalties and just making going over your allotment a financial penalty. Yeah, like, like take, like, two Which million off the cash. Not, not like two that. million, that's way too much, but, you know, was, like... Let's <laughs> say, if we, if, we, if we dug, because it's very important that the power units are not part of the cost cap, because those things, those suckers are about 10 million... U.S. dollars a pop. Those things ain't cheap. Yeah, but like, I would, is, I would say that it would be, say, like, a staggered penalty for each engine you go over the allotment. So, like, you can, like, going over, going, say, like, one component over isn't a huge penalty, but once you go, like, if you're going, like, three, like, you're using double if the you're allotment. Clearly gaming, if you're gaming the system to effectively just get more components in the pool, that's, you know, yeah. you have Did to stagger not, the penalty Did top. we not try, like, staggered grid penalties depending on certain bits of the... Don't we already have that already? Or we we already not? have that, but because the grid isn't big enough... Like, they stack depending on what you replace, and typically because you replace a whole, just a whole sale power unit, you just automatically get dropped to the back of the grid. Now, yeah, I miss the days like, where people will go into, like, semi-fake histrionics about 100-place grid. <laughs> yeah. Know? When you know they're just starting at the back of the grid anyway, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it kind of, like... That was a big hole in the in the system where it's like, hey, if we're going to replace one component, why not just replace them all? 
Right, right. Yeah. If, if anyone's and, ever played F1, the F1 games from Codemasters on a games console and realised that, oh, I'm starting from the back anyway, I might as well just take an entire new power unit allocation <laughs> and add it on. The, just stack, like, is. eight of them in that allocation. Yeah, yeah, just, just bung them all so, on. So, like, shifting it to being financial means that, like, no one has to take any grid penalties anymore, but the teams do have to pay for it out of their pocket. That would be interesting. Yeah. I would actually like to see that more. Um, and... You know, that actually, that's actually quite a nice alternative way of thinking. Speaking of alternative ways of thinking, <laughs> oh no, here we go. We have to go. We have to go back a little bit here because uh, there was some aftermath. Yes, yet more aftermath from Silverstone and the Red Bull and, and Mercedes collision heard around the world because Red Bull tried really, really hard to get a bigger penalty uh, to slap towards Lewis Hamilton than the ten seconds he actually got. RJ, tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, yeah, Red Bull had their appeal on the Silverstone crash, heard on Thursday, and it was rejected. Uh, Red Bull used a presentation to state their case. Now, y'all remember after Canada 2019, <laughs> when Ferrari oh, uh, used as well. a key focal point of their appeal some bootleg footage of Karun Chandok on the Skypad. <laughs> that's still so funny well uh, the spirit is there but Red Bull upped the production value they used oh. reserve driver Alex Albon on a filming day it took a whole ass filming day to replicate the lines Hamilton took during the incident some of the accusations made by Red Bull made in their letter were so strong that Mercedes took to social media and claimed that Red Bull senior management quote attempted to tarnish the good name sporting integrity of Lewis Hamilton. So, folks, how would you assess how Red Bull approached the incident? Uh, like, uh, <laughs> like, number one, number one, let's, let's go back. That is, trying to sim out the, inc- like, trying to sim out possible outcomes of this incident is like, big, loud air flight 004 en- energy here. <laughs> wow, that is this, a this reference. Week on air crash fuck. <laughs> this week on air um, crash investigation. <laughs> what, what I like as well, um, they used the 2019 Red Bull, the RB15, to, uh, to, to, on the filming day, because he can't use a current car. And they could not replicate Hamilton's speed through the corner because it's a two-year-old car. That's rendering it all moot in the first place because the whole thing that triggered the incident was Hamilton going in at too shallow an angle, too fast, and not being able to hold his line. Mm -hmm. So that's all moot. That's all worthless evidence. Yeah. It's funny, though. Oh, oh, fucking comedy. Um, Red Bull did this because they could. Yep. Because fundamentally, we got nothing to lose. The worst thing they can say is what the FIA did say, which is, well, it's the fuck off. And um, what brought it a bit far, and what called for some people to trigger the bringing the sport into disrepute catch-all, they did Love that phrase. Um, was them not only accusing let's call a spade a spade, accusing Lewis of doing it deliberately, but then accusing the FIA of being biased in the way they officiated the incident. Though, admittedly, if if Red Bull so strongly feel that 
whatever they accused Lewis of, that the FI literally told them, no, you can't say this. If they feel that strongly about it, they can just publicly release the letter. Obviously, out of respect to Red Bull, Mercedes and the FIA have not. Yeah, that's very no, but Mercedes. But Mercedes made it a point to address the claims in a statement. Mm. And were very they were very they were incensed in that yeah. statement. Yeah. It was an angry statement. I have never seen Mercedes on all the years since their new era and on social media come out of a set a sentence as strong as quote attempted to tarnish the good name and sporting integrity Nothing of Lewis Hamilton. Remember one. <laughs> I remember the statement they put out in the aftermath of Abu Dhabi 2016 mm. when Mercedes, the team, got abuse far and wide from very angry Lewis Hamilton supporters on every form of social media. That is the last time I can remember Mercedes as a team putting out a statement defending their people that strongly. And that is with the team being accused of sabotaging one of their drivers to show yeah, how serious in? they took this. Yeah, it, it, it was, and look, I had a feeling Merckx would go to social media, because that was a, that was a, that was a, a Out of all of this, Red Bull were the victims. Yeah. And, and they come out of this looking like total jackasses. Yeah. yeah. The, Chris Carter had had his ass held in the fire to answer for this big shit. Big time. Big time. Like, Christian Horner was accused from anything on a sliding scale of, being a sore loser all the way up to inciting racial hatred, which did not help when Red Bull had to sack somebody on their team this weekend for racist text messages. I was like, it was Slinging, a slinging so many N-bombs, Kyle Larson would have been proud. Yeah, like, it was ugly. It was and, atrocious. And it was atrocious, and Red Bull had a PR disaster on their hands because then... Horner incited what aboutery regarding the rebuke that Verstappen had got over that course of the weekend. So people on Twitter were going to pour gasoline on that fire, and Horner absolutely did not help himself in the middle of, in the middle of Hungary's weekend. It was no, he he turned ugly. he turned to the whole of the Formula One community and said, "Flame me!" And boy, did yeah. they! And he deserved every word of it. Yeah, Max got abuse on social media. Sure. Not racist. Yeah. Not what Lewis got. Not yeah. the fucking time to trigger some whataboutism. Not no. the fucking time, Christian. No, no, no. That was a fight you were never going to win by coming out and saying that. Like, that no. was... No. And we're not saying that threats or death threats are okay either. Of course we're no. not. But no. Of course we're not saying but that. There's but levels you know, to, there's levels to this. And there's, when someone got clear as day racial abuse all over social media, and people are, people are blaming you, rightly or wrongly, I think wrongly, because they don't need an excuse. Racist assholes on the internet don't need an excuse. Yeah. When people yeah. Agreed. are... When people are abusing someone on social media and you come out with whataboutism, what the fuck are you doing? You're yeah. a team boss. You're supposed to be a professional in this industry. You know better. 
Yeah, like, for a man that's been in this sport for so long, he should know better. They handled that horribly, and then all the other shit that came out that same day, before before we got into the nitty-gritty of the weekend about regarding the racist text and Helmut Marko's, at best, clumsy comments about Yuki Tsunoda, um, it was a horrendous weekend for Red Bull Racing as a like, team. Matt's, how, how wild is it that Max Verstappen comes off as the most level-headed dude yeah, Max came into the top, social media for popping off his Thank fucking you. top and saying, "I don't want to fucking deal with this shit anymore." How right. wild Thank is you. that? Let's ta- let's take a step back. Let's address that. Two whiny, petulant, entitled racing drivers, as racing drivers always are, are the two most level-headed and mature individuals in this whole situation. How? How did we get to this point? <laughs> like, like, oh god, it's it's it was. And don't get me wrong, Max's social media management did not help matters two weeks ago either. But at least he's done his best over the course of the weekend to say that this shit is not okay. Like, and he, he the whole three, the top three from qualifying on Saturday, it's, it addressed the booze and said this needs to stop. I not just the booze in the social media. In the in the um, <clears throat> in in the press conference room after the the F one media start drilling them with questions about it. Max just puts his foot down, and said, "I don't want to answer any more fucking questions about this." Yeah, Lewis nods his, nods his head. Yeah, yeah. shut Max down the so whole room. Digni- Max is so dignified, and for once, this is not a totally ironic statement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Right. I will say this, though. I will back up my words that I said after Saturday qualifying. If you boo a driver, that should should be carte blanche for them to cut a heel promo on you. You know what I mean? (laughs) They should just go full match. Lewis Lewis might as well have cut a heel promo saying, well, the booing just fuels me. To be fair, every athlete says that. It's nothing special in the draft scheme of things. But, you know, it is funny. It is funny. Um, you know, <laughs> look, that was a race that almost any other day Hamilton wins comfortably. So, you know, it's, it's and like, I, I, I was still shitting myself on the final lap of that race, seeing the, the gap come down between Hamilton and Vettel's car for second on the road. It was less than a second by the time they got to the line. I was thinking, if that race was two laps longer, Hamilton probably wins that race. Um, Deploy the sewage the air. Deploy the sewage air, Sebastian. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, uh, you know, it, 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 Red Bull, you've got a whole summer break. Have some words internally. Like, seriously. Like, because... Log uh, off. Like, reposting the same dog image from 2017 is not going to help anybody. I'm just I mean, it's a cute dog, there. but read the room. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm. it's you- a great script from Tommy Wiseau, by the way. <laughs> and on that note, um, oh dear, well, let's put a bow on this. We're going into a whole summer break of Formula One. We're gonna have yeah, more racing. I want Red Bulls caught caught the car. It's, there's eight points between them. I would love to see this go down the wire. Don't have one of y'all screw this up. You got a good championship battle and prospect over the next 12 races. The best one since 2012! Easily! Like, like it's it's easy to lose sight of all the toxicity amongst this platform that we are in the middle of the best title fight in a decade. We're spoiled. We are absolutely (laughs) fucking spoiled. Fun fact, before Vettel's disqualification, um, 
They were on the exact, those two at the top of this championship were on the exact same points totals as Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton in 2016 after the Hungarian Grand Prix. (laughs) That's ridiculous. (laughs) I never knew that. That's insane. That, that's insane uh, considering that we now give out points for fastest lap and we have right? yeah. and we There's have even more variants. football now <laughs> we have even um, more potential variants for different point totals and they still ended up with the same amount before that well, I cannot game. wait for the championship to be decided by a fastest lap time trial love it love don't it. you put that evil on me O'Connell <laughs> don't <laughs> you put that on us Full formatory season me. two. No, 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 no. W- watch this championship be decided by sprint qualifying. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> We're ending the show. We're getting, you're getting out of here. MotoGP yeah, I, I, is back I'm this out of here. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, MotoGP is back this weekend in Austria. Look... I know we're all a little bit tired of motorsport at the moment, but Austria has genuinely gone down as one of the better races on the MotoGP calendar. We're going to talk about motorcycles! (laughs) It's finally going to be Pecco's weekend! (laughs) Maybe. We'll see. Who had Miguel Oliveira winning his first Grand Prix last year? I mean, with the pass of the year. So, uh, MotoGP in Austria back this weekend. King, am I right? Is it, is it Tempelhof this weekend or next weekend? It is, it is next weekend. Next weekend. Okay. Thanks, thanks this for reminding weekend, me. We're racing over a freaking bridge in Nashville. <laughs> yes, and IndyCar is back at Nashville this weekend. As James Hitchcock quite wonderfully said, we're racing over a freaking bridge. <laughs> what more needs to be said? Uh, Motorsport, everybody. It's 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 a fun time. So we'll be talking all about that on next week's show. But uh, until then, basically, you can find us. Uh uh, we're, at, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101 subscribe if you enjoyed the show um, we're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101 we're on twitter at motorsport underscore 101 at uh, harrison101hd at ryan eric king at rj o'connell and at cam buckley has disappeared off the damn screen um, I'm not sure they have these names that long but apparently it's cbuckley917 although it might be a burner account by the time he gets back from his hiatus we're also on instagram at motorsport101pod you can follow us on there as well. Um, also, I want to say publicly, because I was not on last week's show, massive thanks to Stuart for coming on last week's show. Um, very, very grateful for that. He does not need any help or plugs from me regarding social media or anything along those lines, but I did want to publicly say thank you that my fellow West London brother was able to fill in on my uh, on my absence. So thanks, Stuart. Much appreciated, man. I want to say that publicly. Um, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash winners, but one, five bucks, it's you early access to all of to all of our backlog and all the audio episodes. Ten bucks for the video version um, and the supporters club of our Discord because these shows live as they're being recorded. Thanks to the YouTube chat as well, Vic, uh, JB and Jason for contributing as well. Um, as Cam's being mauled by his dog, we'll get out of here. Um, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Ryan Eric King and RJ O'Connell. Cam Buckley, kind of, sort of here. He, he might come back for the... Oh, he's, he's just come back. This is this is we're about to sign off. Um, Cam, have you recovered? We get to talk bikes next week. It's going to be fun, I promise. Like, it's like, it's like, I don't want to. I want to <laughs> go home. We're going home, I promise. We'll talk bikes next week. We'll cheer you up, I promise, okay? Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been Ryan Eric King, RJ O'Connell, and Cameron Buckley. Until next week, thanks for watching and listening. Sign arrow. Later, y'all. Bye. <laughs> Team, it's still got another win. 
Yeah! Yeah! Well, Lord. Also, uh, man, Dre, Dre, don't listen to the Yadra last week's episode. (laughs) I may address this in the intro of next week's show. Whatever it is, you've been warned. (laughs) 